Good morning, Greater Alton. How's everybody doing today? I got to tell you, we were expecting a small crowd today, just from a number of people that we knew were out on vacation and out doing things. And uh, wow, we were wrong. Glad to see everybody out this morning. I decided to be down here instead of up there because I thought there wouldn't be many of you, you know. Wasn't going to let you hide from me in an empty auditorium. But anyway, we are happy to have you. Glad you're here today. Uh, we have been talking for the last several weeks. It looks like a little, over the last eight weeks, we've been doing a, le- a ser- series called Foolproof. And we've been looking at the book of Proverbs and what the book of Proverbs has to say on different topics that we, we consider to be important. Uh, I looked a couple weeks ago. I did two, two weeks on, on what, the, what the book of Proverbs has to say about judging and how we judge and, and if we judge uh, and what's involved in judging. And looked at several different topics, but the book of Proverbs is, is just that. It very basically lays out the difference between being a fool and being wise. It's initially started, it's written by a couple different authors, but primarily by, by Solomon, who was considered the wisest man in the Bible. And he's writing, he tells us right in chapter one, this is to my son, and this is how you get wisdom. That's what this purpose of this book is written for, so you to get wisdom. And all through the book, it goes, this is what fools do, this is what wise people do. Okay? He lays it out there. And uh, I, was, I was listening to a tape this week, and... Uh, well, let's look at this. Let's look at this first passage in your notes. And this is just exemplifies exactly what we just said about the book of Proverbs. It says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. And that's what we're talking about for the next two weeks, today and next week, is about seeking advice. Now, I don't know how you feel about seeking advice. Uh, I'm a little apprehensive even about talking about it uh, from this position. Uh, due to some past experiences with that and uh, my understanding of it. There, there are, churches can have a tendency to misuse this idea this of seeking advice. It can be turned into a method of, it can be uh, misused and even abused to the point of really trying to control people. And it short circuits the maturity process on both ends and it's, it's, it's really a bad thing. Uh, and I've seen that done, I've experienced that, and I've read about it, okay? There's actual books that are written on churches that control and abusive churches, and this is one of the key characteristics of them, okay? So I'm a little apprehensive when we start talking about it, but as you're going to see over the next two weeks, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about seeking advice, Okay, and so just because it's been used or misused or abused doesn't mean you throw it out. Okay, you gotta go back and look and say, what's it talking about then? How is it to be used? And hopefully we can put it in a, in its proper perspective, uh, today and, and, and next week and see what we, see what we, see what we can come up with. Um, and go from there. See guys, the book of Proverbs, in my research, I found that it's basically a proverb is just a bit about having a skill or an apply. It's, it's how to get skill and applied knowledge. That's really what wisdom is all about. It's uh, the same word that's used for, for wisdom there, I believe it is, is used in Exodus 31, where it's talk about artists and craftsmen. 
you know, somebody who's skilled. And the book of Proverbs isn't about promises or rules that says, you know, if this, then that, 100% of the time. But it is about probabilities. It's just about if you learn this skill, if you learn this way of doing things, things are in general going to be much better for you. The Bible is full of stories of men and women who were faithful to God, but things didn't go so well for them. They were faced with bad circumstances. So it's not this is general rule that says, hey, if you do this, everything will go well for you. That's not it. But what we're going to be talking about today is uh, what the book of Proverbs has to say about seeking advice. And what I'm going to talk about is, is uh, the benefits that I get when I seek advice. You know, when I seek advice, I can expect to receive certain benefits. Or there's a high probability of what those are. And the first one we want to talk about is it's going to give me direction. That's the first benefit of what you're going to have. Obviously, duh, I'm asking somebody for advice. They're supposed to give me direction. Well, guys, it's even more than that. What I've learned is my direction can be uh, shaped and modified by seeking advice. You look at the uh, the first Proverbs here. It says, plans are established by seeking advice. So if you wage war, obtain guidance. And what he's saying there is, guys, it's one thing to have a plan. But if you're seeking advice, that's going to shape that plan. The advice is going to give you direction. Let me read uh, some other translations uh, of this you know, plans are established. Uh, and I'm, I didn't, I didn't jot down which translations these were from, but anyway, it says, another translation says, form your purpose. Another p- translation says, thoughts are established. Another translation, plans are confirmed. Prepare plans by consultation. I love the, the, G, the good news version. It says, establish thy thoughts by counsel. And by counsel, make war. You see, guys, everybody, as, as, as we, we've shown in the book of Proverbs before, we make our we, we make our own plans. We have plans, but it says the Lord directs our steps. But we need to understand that those plans can be shaped and be given direction through giving advice, seeking advice. I've got a story. I'm probably going to refer to this story multiple times. I've told it years ago. It happened to me. I used to be in the auto glass business. And one day I put a piece of glass, I think it was a back glass, in an old car. It was one of these situations where a boyfriend, a girlfriend had a young child and somebody's mother was paying for it because they didn't have much money. And so they they paid for the glass. We did it in our shop. Everything went well with the glass. Uh, it's time to pull the car out for the people to pick it up. And my off, the guy that worked in my office got in the car, put the key in, turned the key and basically the key didn't turn all the way and the tumblers inside that it, that keying system had corroded, flump, flump, fell apart. And the key wouldn't turn any farther, the car wouldn't turn on, the car wouldn't move. And it was just a disaster. The young man came in and decided to take a screwdriver and a hammer to it. He thought he could make it work. That's what young men do. And that didn't work. And I said, guys, I don't, I don't know what to do. This, you know, this is just because of the age of the vehicle. And, you know, they're all yelling at me, you got to fix this. 
And I know I can't fix it. I don't think I'm responsible for this. And um, anyway, one of them, a parent calls from another town who has, owns an automobile repair place. And he's yelling. At, no, he's not yelling at me. He's being calm. Let me be accurate here. And he's telling me, you need to fix this. You know, something like that happened in my shop, I'd fix it. I said, so if a car comes in for an oil change and the headlights go out, you're going to replace the headlights? You know, this does not make sense. I mean, this is pretty plain to me that this is a matter of the age of the vehicle. It just so happened to happen in my shop. But I should not be held responsible. It has nothing to do with the glass. I didn't do anything wrong. It just, the timing of it was on, was on, was happened in our possession. And, you know, it's one of those things where money's tight and you don't want to have to do it and, and all this. And I call a good friend who's in business, who'd been in business in the automobile uh, sales business for years in Greenville. Uh, not a follower of Jesus, okay? A member of a church, doesn't even really attend much. He didn't pretend that his advice was from God, okay? And I called him up and I'm talking to him. And he gave me very sound advice. Very solid advice. He goes, Gary, nothing good is going to come from this if you fix that. You're not going to get any benefit for fixing that. You know, they're already going to talk bad about you. They're going to continue to talk bad about you. They're going to tell people how they had to yell at you to get you to fix it if you fix it. No benefit to you. And as he's talking, I thought, I need to fix it. You see, because doing something and getting nothing in return is the way that Jesus loves us. He went to the cross without any benefit. And when the little voice in my head, which is the Holy Spirit, okay, I do hear voices, he said, you need to do this because you need to practice being like Jesus. It's got nothing to do with the circumstances. You need to do it. And you see, guys, I was seeking some advice and it gave me direction. The direction wasn't, yes, fix it. The direction was, Gary, you need to be like Jesus. And it was from seeking advice from a non-Christian that it came. Let's look at that next word. It says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. You see, guys, it, 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 it's going to draw a contrast here. We've talked about this already, that Proverbs draws a contrast between a, a wise person and a fool, between success and failure. And it says that success is coming from seeking advice. But it draws a contrast to it. You get direction from seeking advice. I'm 60 years old, all right? We are talking about looking at something called retirement. Anybody else in that, that boat? People look at I talk to other people my age, even younger than me, and say, what's going on? I hear a lot of people talking about it, a lot of people planning for it. Some of you have been planning for years, for years for it. And there's a lot of discussions about it. And guys, what I've learned, number one, retirement isn't a biblical concept. Okay, let's just throw that out there. And so your approach to that has to be a little different. That doesn't mean if you can live comfortably without going and performing labor for someone else, you shouldn't do it. I'm not saying that at all. Let me be very, very plain. But the concept that 
this is now my time to do everything I want with is not a biblical concept. And you see, that's as you look towards retirement, you have to say, okay, what am I, what am I going to do with my time? What am I going to do? And what's my idea of it? And, and, and that's where, you know, seeking advice is. I want to read this passage here in Matthew chapter 6. And I know this isn't a proverb, but I feel like this point. This gives me direction, and I believe it gives everybody else direction when it comes to retirement. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Guys, I bring this up and I, as a point. He's, he, it's a very, very subtle difference in this passage. Some people have misused this passage to say you should not save a dime of money. You should spend every penny you make. I've, I've heard that made before. Okay? But he's not saying that. What it's saying is your motive for saving money. Your motive for storing up money. What are you going to do with that money? Is it for yourself? Okay, which is the stereotypical approach to retirement. This is now my time. Are you doing it to do something for God? Do you realize this is still God's money? How does he want you to use it? And guys, that's, that's, how does he want to use, and, and literally it's the resources from which he's given you. I'm not sure I will ever completely retire. I think I'll be at a state of semi-retirement because God wants me to still have influence over the resources of my business. To be used in a way that glorifies him. Not that glorifies me or makes me comfortable. And guys, I bring that up because how do you get to these points? You get to these points because when you go seeking advice, you go talk to somebody about retirement. And again, we'll, we'll dig into this a little bit deeper next week, but you're talking to somebody. If you talk to a believer who's committed to following Jesus, you're going to get one set of direct. You're going to be guided, hopefully, in the words of Jesus. If you go talk to somebody from the world, you're going to get a different set of advice. You're going to be pointed in a different direction. And that's significant. Second thing you're going to receive is, is safety and security. Interestingly, we talk about this just after talking about retirement. <laughs> we want financial security in retirement, correct? Um, let's look at this. And I guess what we get down to is what do you consider safety and security? I believe that most of us, I, I've got my own little illustration that I've been working on for a long time. And I, I've yet to do it here on a Sunday morning because I can't really communicate it as well as I'd like. But basically, it's everybody, every one of us exists in this little circle. And I call it our circle of safety and comfort. It's where we feel safe. It's where we feel comfortable. You know, and the most vivid example is the introvert feels safe by not talking. Okay, by being away from people. Okay, the extrovert feels safe taking charge and talking. They feel comfortable being out amongst people. And we all exist, and you can, you can expand upon that in many, many, many different ways. But it's very interesting because I believe that when you're seeking advice, 
Safety and security is what you end up with. Let's look at this. In uh, Proverbs 11 and 14, it says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Now, they're talking about a guy's a nation falling. Okay, and my picture of that is being overtaken. You know, there's no security. You can't live comfortably. You live in fear. Nation has to live in fear versus the nation being able to defend itself, to be in a good position. And, and guys, that's really what it is. I don't know. Does anybody else have a fear of failure in any capacity? Okay. I, I, I've done that. You know, you, you ever lay awake at night wondering what you should do? I've got a, I've got a friend. He, he went into, uh, he left his job of 20 plus years, uh, to go in business with, uh, two other gentlemen. And he tells me that he lay awake at night for six months trying to decide what ended up being a no-brainer decision. And guys, we want, we don't want that. We don't want laying awake at night wondering. We don't want waking up in the middle of the night wondering what's going to happen. We want to go to sleep, put our head on the pillow, fall asleep fast, and sleep through the night and not be stressed, not be worried, not be not concerned about failure. In Proverbs 6.22, this is what it says. It says when you... And this is one of the promises that's associated with the Proverbs. It says when you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. Now, he's talking about the commands of the father and the teachings of the mother. Okay? He's saying they're going to protect you. Which commands and teachings are simply unsolicited advice. <laughs> How's that? But he's saying, listen, guys, if you follow the advice given by mother and father, the commands, the teachings, you're going to sleep well. You're going to live in safety. You're going to live in security, both when you sleep and when you awake. See, now, guys, the real question is, you've got to ask yourselves, how do we define victory in our life? See, a lot of us, we define victory. If we can get everything in our life just so-so where I can feel safe and I can't feel attacked, I feel financially secure, okay, for my job. I feel secure in my relationships, okay? And it can go on and on. I feel secure about our government. And you can go on and on, whatever it is. But he's saying that we can have a sense of safety and security through many advisors, and isn't that what all of us want? We, uh, the, the ultimate example for me of this is Jesus. The, the story, and I don't, I'm not sure where it is in the Gospels. Y'all can look it up. But where Jesus is in the boat with his disciples, and there's a storm, and the disciples who are fishermen and who are used to being in boats... It says they're afraid of dying. They're afraid the boat is being swamped. Which I'm, I picture water flashing over. And, and y'all know what Jesus is doing? Sleeping. Sleeping. And it's just like, how does he, how did he, I mean, I mean, if the boat's getting swamped, I mean, the water would wake me up. I mean, you know, you figure he's getting splashed somehow all by itself. I mean, I'm just thinking practically, how did he do that? But beyond that, 
How do you sleep through that? He didn't fear at all. He knew that his father, who'd brought him for a purpose, was not going to allow him to die in a storm. And guys, that's the thing around about it. Seeking advice gives us the ability, points us towards being able to sleep during a storm. You see, because how many, how many have, who's, had, who's had a storm in their life? Come on, everybody, I'll get your hands up. <laughs> if you don't now, you will soon. <laughs> Things happen. Things happen that we don't want. Bad things. Okay? And we have to put them in, you know, and sometimes you have to put them in perspective. You have to recognize what was going on. And you need somebody else to look into your life that's objective, that's less emotional, that isn't emotionally tied, that recognizes your feelings, but that is able to point you towards God. To give you that direction that we talked about earlier. Let's look at this passage here in Proverbs chapter 5. This is a, a, a... this passage here is one that that moved, moved me to diligence, shall I say, as a young man. He says, at the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. The translation I learned when I was younger said, I've come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. And guys, I looked at that and I go, I do not want to be there. I want to succeed. I want to be successful. And so I got input. Uh, Psalms 4 and verse 8, another passage that just solidifies what, what we're talking about is that the psalmist says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Okay, I seek and receive advice. The third thing that will benefit me for is success. That's come out already. This proverb here in chapter 15, verse 22, is repeated almost word for word in a couple different places. Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 24, 6, Surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. What's your definition of success? I don't need an answer, but what does it mean? When you read this, and it says, With many advisors, they succeed. Now, I know he's talking in general there just about plans. So I ask you, what does success look like? As you have to define success. See, my auto glass business, I would define my most financially successful years as 96 to 02. And that's strictly on a financial basis and growing a business. We started from nothing in 93. By 96, we were rolling and that rolled on through 02. And then the, the, the environment changed, the climate changed in that business. And, and I was wanting to get out and, and financially it, it got worse for me. But I consider my most successful years to be from 06 
to 17. Why is that? We made less money. <laughs> That's part. So why was I, why did I consider that successful? Because it was during those years that that business shaped me to be more like Jesus. That's what it did. And I can tell you story after story after story about uh, how he did that and different circumstances and how I was forced to respond, how I wanted to respond very naturally. It was during those years that I learned I did not have to be depressed. I could choose my thoughts. I could look at things differently than what I do. It was those years that I look back with the most pride on. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week. But what's this many advisors thing? What's that all about? How how does many advisors bring about success? I'll save it for next week. How's that? We'll get done a little bit earlier this week. Fourth thing, fourth thing I can benefit from when I listen and seek advice, seek and take advice is, um, is maturity. That's the fourth benefit. I love this passage here at the beginning of Proverbs, you know, the first four verses. Let me read the first four verses and then we'll read that fifth one there. The first four verses says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. For receiving instruction in prudent behavior. Doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple. Knowledge and discretion to the young. You know, it's like, yeah, that's what it is. You young, simple people need to listen up. And then it goes in verse 5 and it says, Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. You see, guys, seeking advice isn't just for the beginner. Seeking advice is a habit, period, that needs to be developed and utilized. And it's amazing what happens. Um, some of you probably heard, maybe heard, we're, uh, my wife and I own car washes and we're about to sell one. And uh, it's been a, been a long process over the last year. I'd love to tell you all the details because it's fascinating to me the way God has worked and led us to this point. And, and, uh, and lots of things happen. But we've had multiple interested buyers. We've been trying to sell our two self-serve washes. Multiple interested buyers and nothing ever worked through. And a lot of things looked hopeful. And back in April, I had a gentleman local here, another follower of Jesus, who was coming to me. And the deal he wanted... I wasn't sure I liked. Is really, really all there was to it. I just wasn't sure I liked it. Um, I, I did and I didn't. And so I'm talking to my banker, who he's talking to too, and he's like, "Well, you know, this guy seems really arrogant." And I said, "Okay, great. There's nothing wrong with it, but boy, I just I'm uncomfortable with it." So I call my accountant, and my accountant goes, "That's a good deal." You should, yeah, that's fine. You know what to do. I like it. And so I'm pretty well sitting there saying, okay, I'm going to do this deal. I'm going to do this deal. But before I do this deal, I need to call somebody else. I need to, need to give somebody some, some advice. You see, I've just asked two non-believers for advice. 
All right? And I have already said, I'm not opposed to that. I just, and we'll talk again. I'll talk more about that this week. You just need to realize that they are non-believers. They don't have the mind of Christ. They're not perp, they're not following Jesus. So I call Alan. And I say, Alan, let's explain to him what's going on. I said, look, I'm just, just trying to get some other input here. And Alan comes up with an option I hadn't even thought of. And in case you haven't heard, he's buying the car wash. He's like, is that a good deal? If it's a good deal for him, is that a good deal for me? It's out of the bag. But guys, the whole point, the whole point, guys, the whole point is God never wants us to stop learning. He never wants us to stop growing. And he never expects any of us to get to a point to say, I've arrived. I can now answer any question. I can now face any circumstance. I don't need to get any other input. There's a value to it. And guess what? Once you've achieved the maturity, you can add to your maturity. That's what this point's about. That's right. I got three passages in the New Testament that I want to look at. I know these aren't Proverbs. But let's look at all these. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 14, this is Jesus' famous parable about the soils. And he said, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they hear, they go on their way, are are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. That's the key characteristic of the thorny soil. They don't quit following Jesus. They just don't mature. And as a result, there's not the fruit that the Master wants in their life. James chapter 1 and verse 4. James tells the people, he says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Colossians 1.28, Paul is talking. He says, He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Do you get the idea that maturity is kind of a big deal to God? You see, guys, when it comes to following Jesus, there is no retirement plan. There's no point where we... We get to and we say, okay, now I can live for myself. You know, I denied myself all this time and now I can live for myself. That's my problem with retirement in America is because that's just the general idea. I mean, let me rephrase that. That's my problem with retirement in America for followers of Jesus. That it subconsciously communicates and we subconsciously grab a hold of, now this is for me. I've worked all this time to support my family, and now this is my time. And I'm not saying there's some of that shouldn't exist. My wife and I are enjoying some of those things right now. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But you can't take that idea into following Jesus. Following Jesus, you've got to continue on. 
Tim just, he, Tim, uh, it was a few weeks ago, I don't remember how long ago, you know, Tim is 66 now. He started getting Social Security and Medicare last year, I believe. Could be wrong about that. Um, but he's looking to hand the business over to his son, Nathan. And he was telling Alan and I a couple months ago, he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to need some advice on how I handle retirement. You see, guys, there's this tendency to, to, to go the wrong way. Um, but anyway, the seeking advice gives us maturity. The fifth thing it does, the fifth benefit, is it gives me alignment with God. Alignment with God. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Have you ever felt like you were fighting God? Have you ever, have you ever felt that way? Like, hey, God's just opposed to what I'm doing. Or I keep running to a brick wall. Or my plans just never work out. I've felt that way before. And the problem is, God wasn't interested in my plans. That's just the truth of the matter. It says it's his purpose that prevails. As followers of Jesus, our plans need to align with God. And again, this seeking of advice brings others into the process. Preferably followers of Jesus who are able to look at the situation and to give you what I'm going to call direction correction my new phrase direction correction you see guys every one of us has to answer the question what is your purpose in life why do you live what's your reason for getting up in the morning what's your reason for going through what motivates you what gives you direction for your day for your week for your life what is your purpose could you tell somebody your purpose if they asked you You see, guys, as a follower of Jesus, it's the purpose which God designed us that we represent Him in this world. Now, I don't know about you. Mine's very clear on that. It's been that clear for, for a few years now that it's been that clear. And then I think in these terms, and I think of those terms in particular situations. But the truth of the matter is, I don't always hit the target. The truth of the matter is I need somebody else to look at me and say, hey, is this lining up with God? Look at Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 3. It says, to do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. I believe as humans we tend toward what I'm going to call the checklist mentality. Have I done enough stuff? Have I checked the right boxes? Have I checked the major boxes? And what this proverb is telling us is that God is more concerned with how you act than the boxes you checked. That's what he's saying. He's saying to do what is right and just 
is more acceptable than sacrifice. Now that does not mean don't offer him the sacrifices. He wasn't telling the people though. He doesn't expect us to make physical sacrifices of, of animals the way they did in the Old Testament. But even with what he's saying there, he's not telling these people, hey, stop sacrificing animals to me because I'm only concerned about your heart. I bet you act justly. No. He's saying acting right and just is more significant than just. Don't just offer sacrifices. Because that doesn't line up with me. There was a point, and I wish I'd have looked this verse up, I thought about it, where in one of the prophets, he tells him, I wish you'd quit offering me sacrifices. It's one of the minor prophets, right? It's as close as I can get to it off the top of my head. But guys, that's what it is. We, we need to make sure we're aligned with God. God wants me to be a certain way more than he wants me to do certain things. Look at this last proverb here and then we'll call our quits for the day. It says, in their hearts, humans plan their course. But the Lord establishes their steps. Guys, I want my steps to line up with God's plans. And seeking advice, getting another person multiple people to look at what you have going on will help you to do that. Like I said, next week we're going to talk about more practicals on how to do that. I invite you all to come back. I'm kind of excited about that. And uh, we'll be done for the day. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today, God. I thank you that you haven't left us out here in this world without any instructions. Father, to me it is so obvious the way your words line up and the way your words and what you've allowed to be recorded in what we call the Bible are so plain when a person will truly seek. Father, I thank you for that. Father, you know that's been one of my biggest challenges is is what to do, how to act, direction in life. Father, as a young man, that was it was daunting. Father, you haven't left us without a father. You are our father. And you've given us your word. You've given us direction. Father, Proverbs speaks volumes of seeking advice. Father, I pray that seeking of advice goes beyond looking into certain areas of our life, like our finances and our retirement and our career move, buying a car. And Father, carries over into our relationship with you. Father, that's seeking advice. We want to know, does this line up with you? Father, we thank you for Jesus and the example he's been for us. And it's in him we pray. Amen. I'm giving you my heart and all that is within. I lay it all down for the sake of you. Giving you my dreams, I'm laying down my rights, I'm giving up my pride for the promise of new life. And I
singing you this song. I'm waiting at the cross, and all the world holds dear. I count it all as loss for the sake of knowing you, for the glory of your name, to know the lasting joy, even sharing in your pain. And I, I surrender all to Take a year. 